What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Combo Church Podcast. My name is Craig. And my name is Kara, and we are the lead pastors of Combo Church. If you are listening on combochurch.com, iTunes, or Spotify, make sure you subscribe, follow, and like. We love it when you share with your family and friends, and we would love it if you could leave us a great review. Our prayer for you is that the message today will inspire purpose, encourage life, and build faith in you. Enjoy Enjoy the the message. message. Do me a favor, go ahead and turn to, we're going to go straight to scripture today because I'm what I have today is really more of a, um, uh, it's a mini message because I want us to have time um, to, to do things right at the end of our experience today for Legacy. And again, if you're, if you're a guest that's with us today and you're like, oh great, I showed up on like a, some, some special giving Sunday, and don't, don't even worry about that. Just, you know, hopefully, I, my hope is that you getting to observe what we're doing as a church is that it inspires you. Um, Convo Church, if you don't know yet, you'll figure out if you keep coming up. We're a pretty generous church, and that's the heart of God. And, uh, and it's something that every single one of you that call this home demonstrates so faithfully and so consistently. And, uh, and I'm excited to see not just what happens today, um, but what happens as a result of what happens today. Does that make sense? Uh, so let's go ahead and um, let's go sc- uh, straight to Scripture. We're going to go in the, in the New Testament to 2 uh, Corinthians and that's kind of kind of halfway through the New Testament, uh, which is the, the second section of our Bibles. We're going to go to chapter 9, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And, and I'm going to read a couple of verses to us today. I've actually referenced this passage before, but I couldn't get away from it. God kept showing me some new things today, or for today. And, and I just want to encourage you, as... Um, even, in, even if it's not like a, a special giving season, I'm, I'm just telling you, like what, what God has been speaking over the course of the last month is going to absolutely transform anybody's life. Um, some of y'all read business books by people more than you read the Bible, and the stuff that they're actually saying in their business books, believe it or not, is stuff that got pulled from the Bible. And, uh, and so, you know, they're, they're just getting the royalties for it. I don't see them, you know, paying royalties to Jesus for their... Uh, for their ideas, but but so it's amazing. Sometimes you'll read through scripture, like man, that sounds familiar. I feel like that was in a, you know, somebody's book. It's like, uh, yeah, it's called uh, it's called kingdom plagiarism, and um, which is actually a great thing. And I think God's okay with it, by the way. But um, but we but we're going to scripture today, and let me read these verses to you, and then we're going to dive in for a couple of moments before we get to our um, to the our, our legacy uh, conclusion today, starting in verse six. Again, Paul's speaking here to the church in Corinth. And he says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your hearts how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully and God will generously provide all you need, then you will always, there's some pretty all-encompassing words in here, right? Like all, always, like all these, they're they're there on purpose. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor, for their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides, this is important, seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. 
Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. That's something we need to understand as Jesus followers. God doesn't want us to have generous moments. He wants us to live a generous lifestyle. And when we take our gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things will result from this mystery of giving. The needs of believers in Jerusalem will be met. We're going to show context for that in a second. And they will joyfully express their thanks to God. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God. For your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. And then we will pray for you, and then they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given you. Thank God for this gift too wonderful for words. Father, I pray in the moments that we have today, Lord, we wanna, uh, we're not doing a ceremony today. We're not going through the motions today, Father. We are hungry to be discipled by your word and by your spirit so that we can know you more, so that we can live more honorably for you, so that we can shine more brightly for you in the world around us and know how to point them to you as the way, the truth, and the life. Open up our hearts today and we ask it in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. Who here has ever eaten anything that uh, after you ate it, that was a sketchy uh, decision that you made? Every day. Every day? <laughs> Melanie, we take care of this. I don't know what the situation is. We all have, you know, whether on purpose or accident. It's the ones who do it on purpose that are the ones that cause the most questions to be. All right, so, all right, so I had this one situation. It wasn't me who did it. It was a friend. No, I'm saying. Years ago, I was, a, I was a teenager and went with a couple of friends to a basketball game. So you know, like if you go to a, especially like college events, after the game is over and people are leaving, there's food and drink everywhere. I know, you know where this is headed. And it's usually not in the most sanitary place. So we're, we're walking through the aisles and we're leaving. And my friend, I swear it's my friend, I promise. Anyway, <clears throat> he, he stops walking. I'm like, what are you looking at? He's like, man, there's a piece of pizza. Well, here's the thing. It was a half-eaten pizza pizza, and it wasn't on a plate. It was sitting on the, on the floor. And I didn't even think. I'm like, don't eat it. Like, typically, you got, you know, especially guys, you all know. You got friends. You're like, yeah, eat it, eat it. In this situation, I was like, don't eat it. And, of course, he picks it up. He doesn't just take a bite. He took it with him. He finished that thing. I can't speak to what happened later. I don't know, but it was disgusting. Turn somebody and say, don't eat that. <laughs> Moses, whatever it is, don't eat that. I don't, know, I don't know what it is that, but don't eat that. That's actually the title of the, of the quick message today, don't eat that. Like we've all been there. If you're a parent, you've got kids, you've told them, don't eat that, right? This, like we're talking full-blown like uh, Buddy the Elf in New York pulling gum <laughs> off of, he's like, oh, free gum. You know, you know if you're a parent, You've seen your kids either eat or attempt to eat things where you're like, don't eat that. That is not an edible thing that you should be trying to ingest. If you have a pet, we have, you know, we have a dog. And uh, so if you have a pet, I mean, you can say it. They don't know what you're saying, uh, I believe. Um, always trying to eat stuff. You're like, there's no, there's no reason in the world. My dog recently consumed, in efforts to consume what was inside the container, consumed the container to get to what was inside the container. This is, what I, this is a side note. I don't understand why, you know, we're trying to like switch the food up with her to like actual dog food. And you, you, you microscopically change the food that you intentionally feed them and they get sick. But they eat plastic Ziploc bags, no problem. <laughs> and then later you're like, 
There it is. All right. I, apparently that worked out okay. That was not necessary or in the notes anyway. So, so listen, there are, there, what we're going to talk about today in the context of stewardship, there are things that we consume at times that God is not meant for you to consume. I'm not talking about food. But you'll see today in that text that we read, Paul's even using the analogy farmers, agriculture, food. We'll get to that. Uh, but, but we got to remember a few things from this series. King Jesus, come on, not just homeboy Jesus, not just my BFF Jesus, but King Jesus. It has to start with honoring who he is. Then that helps us as we walk out a life of obedience and faith in King Jesus. We begin to build that relationship, that friendship. But he owns What? Everything, great, pop quiz, you pass, good job. God owns everything, everything belongs to him, everything's from him, everything that we have, everything that we are, anything that we ever will have or will be is a gift from God. So if that is true, and it is, scripture tells us that, then our life isn't a matter of just doing what we want, our life is a matter of stewardship. And just to remind you, last week we kind of gave a definition so we're all on the same page. Stewardship is the careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. And so I think we, I think we all want to be generous people. I don't know if I've ever met somebody, maybe you have, who was like, I don't want to be generous. And he was like, well, you're a jerk. So no, like I think everybody in their heart at some level, right, we want to be generous. We want to be able to be generous. But far too often I hear people say things like, I wish I could be generous, but I'm struggling too much in X, Y, and Z. Or I wish I could tithe. I wish I could give, but I'm living paycheck to paycheck. And so here's the thing. God, we, God wants you to live a generous lifestyle. And he hasn't put that desire in your heart so that you can be tortured by the inability to be able to actually do what God has put on your heart to do. Generosity is not human nature. You need to understand that. Like just people are, people naturally want to be generous. No, they don't. No, they don't. All we have to do is look around for like a half a second. People by nature don't want to be generous. When we live with a generous heart, that's coming from somewhere. Because we have a sin nature, not a generous nature. So when we begin to take on the attributes and the nature of God, as we are transformed into his image, that's when these things begin to come to the surface. But here's what's important for us to understand. Anything you, to des anything you desire to become a lifestyle must first be something for which you prepare and plan. For example, we're about to come to the end of the year, which means January is coming, which means that the gyms are going to triple their <laughs> annual increase, not of attendees. Well, that will make for a week. But it was like, this is it, 2022. <laughs> Gym membership, and I'm going to use it, going to get in shape. Like I'm back in my 20s, you know, so like that's a desire, but if you don't have a plan in place, it's not going to happen. You cannot simply have a heart for generosity. You have to have a plan for generosity. And if you do not have a plan, you will always live in the world of the man I wish I could, which so many people live in, and maybe you do. So my, my word today is hopefully it's going to encourage you and inspire you, but also hopefully it's going to challenge you a little bit to realize that there are things that every single one of us can do to get ourselves aligned with the plan of generosity that God has for us. So let's give some context for the scripture that we just read. Paul's talking about a farmer that plants a few seeds, gets a small crop, a generous uh, planter is gonna get a generous crop. So Paul is, he's, uh, he's, uh, he's collecting, he's in the process of collecting an offering as he's going around his missionary journeys to the churches that he has planted. He is collecting up an offering that he's gonna take back to Jerusalem. 
The reason why Jerusalem was in such need is that right around this time, Nero, if you know history in the Roman Empire, Nero had come into power and was violently persecuting the Christian church. There were others as well, but one of the primary targets was the Christian church. And so, and actually Jerusalem was one of the most deliberate and immediate targets that was hitting the brunt of this immediate persecution from Nero. And so the church there was struggling. They were hurting. And so Paul was going around collecting up offerings from churches, their own legacy, if you will, to be able to bring it back to Jerusalem to help them out because they were struggling. And it wasn't just they were having a hard time paying the rent and the light bills. This is life. And so they were, they were being generous to do so. But in this, we're, we read from 2 Corinthians, so that means that there is a 1 Corinthians, right? So, so Paul is rewriting to the church in Corinth to challenge them to finish what they started. Because what happened, if you, if you were to read 1 Corinthians, just to give a little bit of preface, Paul, a lot of 1 Corinthians was Paul writing to that church to correct them on a lot of some really jacked up stuff that they were allowing to take place in the church community. So there was some heavy hitting that Paul had to drop in that first letter. If you read it, there's also some beauty, there's some encouragement, there's a, there's, he's pastoring them, but he also drops a hammer on some stuff that they were allowing, sexual immorality. There was even, he was calling people out for things that they were doing and saying, hey, it is, it is this is my, my translation, ready? This is the most jacked up thing I've ever seen. How can you allow this in your church? How can you be okay? And even to some degrees, people were bragging about what was happening in their church because of the greatness of the grace of God that was being demonstrated by what they were allowing. Which, by the way, in case you didn't know, that's not the grace of God. The grace of God doesn't turn a blind eye to sin. The grace of God keeps you from being flattened by God when you deserve to be flattened by God. It allows you and kindness brings you into a place of transformation and repentance. So, so Paul's hammering him in 1 Corinthians and in 2 Corinthians, he's bringing them back. So there was a situation that happened after that first letter showed up and uh, there was a little bit of a division in the church of people who they didn't really appreciate Paul talking to them like that. So all of a sudden they wanted to cause some division and some strife. They wanted to kind of cre- challenge his authority to even be able to say such things. So how dare you, Paul, say that stuff? Who, who are you? Are you even like some of these other apostles? And some of the people that began to give for Jerusalem began to withhold. They began to not, they were like, well, if you're going to do that, then we're not going to give to Jerusalem. So Paul gets up, and uh, actually, we're not going to read chapter 8. You should go back and read chapter 8, because you know how I say, like, don't compare yourselves among yourselves, because it's not wise. It's not, actually. Paul uses the proper text or context of comparison to challenge them to finish what they started. Because you don't compare yourself to somebody else, because they're not the standard. Right? Jesus is the standard. Scripture is the standard. And that is what you should compare yourself to. Because when we compare ourselves to other people, we will always do so leaning in the direction of whether we, are ha- whether we have pride or insecurity. If we struggle with insecurity, we'll compare ourselves to people that do more than us. If we struggle with pride, we'll compare ourselves to people who do less than us. Always propping up what is broken inside of us. But when we compare ourselves to Scripture, I don't know about you, but it's always going to be a watermark that we have not yet reached. And it's going to challenge us to come to a higher level. But this is where Paul, this is what Paul knew what to do. He also knew human nature. And he's like, hey, the Macedonians, so just to give you more context, the Macedonians would have been like northern Greece in that area. Churches like, um, like the book of Thessalonians was written to the church there, Philippi, the book of Philippians. It was a very, very poor region. And, and he uses the generosity of Mas- the churches in Macedonia to say, hey, Corinthians, which by the way, the Corinthians were lived in one of the most wealthy uh, regions of the world at that time. So they had, 
They had money. They had resources. The persecution of the church had not quite reached that region the way it was being experienced down in Jerusalem. And so he's like, hey, well, you know, it's great. Some of y'all have forgotten to finish what you started. We're going to be sending uh, our, some of our team members over, Titus and a couple other leaders. They're well-respected. They're going to come and help you guys finish what you started. A lot of, like, positive, positive sarcasm, if you will. Like, you guys are crushing it, not really. But we're going to send Titus. He's going to help you finish what you started because you're a bunch of quitters. No, we're actually going to help you finish. You know, he didn't say that. But, but what we have here is Paul's like, hey, you guys know the Macedonians. You know how they, they really are so poor. But they have begged, these are the words, he, they have begged us time and time again to be a part of the, of the opportunity to be generous for the church in Jerusalem. And if they can do it, Corinthians, I don't see why you wouldn't do it. How embarrassing would it be? He actually says this. How embarrassing would it be if the Macedonians heard that you guys weren't finishing what you started. And all of a sudden, he's like, well, we're going to use your human nature to help you in the right direction. And he compared the Corinthians to the Macedonians. Now, how is that okay? Because in Scripture, he also says, don't compare yourselves amongst yourselves. Because when somebody is following the example of Christ, when someone is reaching the mark, not because of them, but because of what they are obeying, then it gives us something to look to that challenges us. That's why you need mentors in your life that are ahead of you. Not so that you can compare yourself, but you have something tangibly to look at that says, man, I, I, can, I can grow to another level. I can have people that will help me reach another level. Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And so we have that same challenge here. So, so here's the thing about generosity. Generosity is a per capita category. You know what that means? So we're like, Reno is the, uh, one of the stats for our region, is the second most unchurched city in our nation. Well, that's not by sheer numbers. It's by percentage, right? So that's what per capita means. You can compare it to, well, it's not as bad as Las Vegas. Well, per capita, it actually is as far as unchurched. So generosity is a per capita category. It is relative to what you have in resource to give. You cannot give what you don't or won't have. So at the end, like when we're done today, we're going pre- to present our pledges or our giving, whichever uh, you align with. Don't pledge a million dollars if you make $70,000 a year. You're like, but it's in my heart. It's not in your bank account, though. <laughs> you know, I appreciate the enthusiasm. You know, I'd be like, all right, making 70 a year. I'm, I'm trusting that God's going to bless those numbers that I picked. I'm going over to Silver Legacy. We're going to make this happen. Those are not good kingdom giving principles and strategies, okay? And if you got, you know, if it works, hey, I'm not going to tell anybody they should try that. But Paul uses farming as, as an allegory for the situation. Most of us here, I don't think, are farmers. So we may not fully you know, connect with what Paul is saying. But you have to understand, a farmer who plants a small or, or, or a little bit of seed. So maybe we're like, what's that? What's, what's a few seeds? Is that two? Is that like 100? Is that a handful? You know, maybe we're like, and then there's a farmer who's generous. And so for me, I just visualize that stand at Home Depot that has all the packs of seeds. That's how I visualize this. So I actually needed to go look it up. So if for someone who is familiar, like farmers understand acreage, okay? And so for uh, the average uh, sowing seed for an acre is 125,000 to 150,000 seeds. That's average to have a, a good crop. So it's, if you want to have an abundant, generous crop, well, then it's going to be about increase, more seed, more opportunity. You're going to fill up that acreage and say, okay, we'll see what grows from this. But if you're like, well, you know, kind of want to, you know, I don't know, I'm just going to put a little bit of seed out there, see what happens, maybe it's going to go well. That's the picture that Paul is trying to paint when he's talking about this right now. <clears throat> the comparison's not bad. 
Um, don't compare your financial acreage to somebody else's financial acreage. When it comes to how God challenges us to give, it's in relation to where we are and who we are and what God has already given to us, right? Because we're going back. It's not what you have. It's what God has given you. And if you missed it last week, go back and listen to last week's message about stewardship. God will not continue to give you more when you are not a good steward with what you already have. You, what you do with what you have now determines what God will give you later. And some people are like, well, you know, that's not, that's not the grace of God. God's a good father. He blesses his kids. No, God is a king who has resources, who has servants that he is giving resource to, to use for his purpose in his kingdom. So this whole mentality of, well, you know, God's going to take care of me no matter what. God loves me just as I am. No, God loves you. Remove the just as I am. All that does is justify you not needing to change. God loves you, period. But if you know scripture, scripture will tell you God loves you enough to change you. Same thing in the kingdom of God when it comes to finances. No, God's always gonna bless me. No, he's, he's not, and here's why. Because scripture talks way, way too much about what you should do in order to unlock the blessing of God. Not to earn the blessing of God, huge difference between earning and unlocking. Unlocking is, has, speaks to more of a partnership of what God desires to do through those he can trust. Earning means you're striving and God's like, all right, I'm finally impressed with you. So here you go. <laughs> One is the nature of God, which is partnership and kingdom mentality. The other is not the nature of God because God is not moved by our efforts. That doesn't move him to compassion. doesn't move him to forgive us. Those are just parts of the nature of who he is. Amen? All right, so, so it's interesting. Even if we were to connect Malachi chapter 3, one of the most famous passages in Scripture talking about tithing and offering, talks about not robbing God of these things, and says the reward of obeying God um, in giving and not robbing God is that he will literally pour open the windows of heaven, and, this, and it creates this picture of raining on the seed that you have planted, raining on crops, again, that agricultural thing. And so it says, that, and actually the fruit of that is that what will come from God raining on your obedience and your generosity is it will provide such a fruit and a crop that you won't even be able to handle it. Now here's the thing, you're not supposed to be able to handle it because we gotta get outside of this mindset that everything God does is for me. Like God wants to bless me, take care of me, provide for me. If you read through what we just read through in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, the only, it says he will provide for you, and it's almost like it moves on, and increase your resources so that you can be generous. Generous to who? Yourself on treat yourself day? <laughs> treat yourself. So that you can go shopping, so that you can upgrade. So here, here's something that we need to challenge ourselves with today as we prepare. Uh, verse 10 it's, it, this is, verse 10 is kind of the crux of this particular passage. It says, for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer. Who's the farmer? That's us. Yeah, it's you. It's me. We're, like, we're, we're the farmers in this, in this analogy. And then bread to eat. So seed comes first. What do you do with the seed? Plant the seed. And then once the seed grows and produces the crop, then it's turned into the sustenance, whether that's the bread or the fruit or the produce that comes from that. But you cannot... You cannot change that around and produce the same outcome. So he will provide, number one, he will provide, two, uh, and increase your resources 
so that three, it will produce a great harvest of generosity in you. So understand, generosity in you means generosity through you. Does that make sense? Generosity in you is generosity through you. So, So do you eat the seed or do you plant the seed? You plant, I know this is elementary, but, but this principle is so, it, it needs to get in our soul. Like it needs to get in our spirit. We don't eat the seed, we plant the seed. Because if you eat the seed, there's no harvest. If you eat the seed, there's not gonna be anything left to not just take care of yourself. There, it won't provide, it won't increase your resources, and it won't allow a harvest of generosity to flow through you. Translation, too many Christians are spending and eating what they should be planting and investing and giving. We confuse seed and bread and end up struggling because we do not even ask God what we should be doing with what he's given us. A farmer has bread to eat because they planted the seed, reaped a harvest, and then used, here's the key, some of the harvest to feed themselves. So let's go back to that, that initial uh, statement early on that I said. It was kind of like the tension statement. Anything you desire to become a lifestyle must first be something for which you prepare and plan. So too often we find ourselves in a place where, where we can't do the things that our heart desires to do because we have spent what we should have sown and we've consumed what should have been given and shared. And that's where things are gonna begin to shift in our own lives. That's when things are gonna begin to shift even in the church world around us is when we have a greater depth of understanding of how the resources of the kingdom of God are supposed to flow through God's people. Because on anything, like we can say, well, God could just snap his fingers. We're like, yep, he did. He he actually, I think he did. And that's how the world was made. (laughs) He spoke. It says he spoke, but I got to imagine there's, there's something in there. You know, it's like, you know, at some point he's like, watch this, you know, like planets, boom, start. Anyway, that's just me. That's just me. But, but, we, but for whatever reason, when it comes to humanity, the, the men and women of God, the image bearers of God, not the trees, not the animals, not the mountains, it's all beautiful, but everything around us in nature pales in comparison to those who carry the image of God. So God chooses to work through us and to use us. Uh, last week we talked about the parable that Jesus taught on the, the, the servants of the king. The king was leaving on a journey. He gave one of them five bags of silver, one two bags of silver, and one one bag of silver. And the amount that they got was connected to their, their abilities that they had. And it wasn't one was better than the other. It was just an honest assessment of where they were. But the servant that had one bag, instead of investing it and bringing it back to the master, hid it in the ground. And when the master returned, he dug it up and gave it back to him. And, and Jesus actually called that person wicked and lazy. Now, interesting, we're talking about having a broken mentality where we are spending and consuming what God gave us to steward. But the, this guy, he didn't consume the bag of silver that he was given. He just didn't, he just didn't sow it. So if God considers those who return to God what he gave them without sowing it, he calls that wicked and lazy. What would he call those who actually consume and spend what he gave us to invest and sow, but we've spent it on ourselves and have nothing to bring back to the Lord? Man, I read that and that just like punched me in the mouth. I'm like, man, because I reflect back. I'm like, God, where, where have I, I know I have, like where have been those moments where I've, 
I've spent what I should have given. I've sown, I've uh, I've consumed what I should have planted. And so none of this is going to be a point to bring us to a place of condemnation. This is all what God's word always does, even in conviction, it brings us to a place of freedom. And so we need to understand that as we we get ready to go into uh, above and beyond believing what God's going to do through us and through our church, we got to understand God's not trying to make you feel guilty for years past. He's trying to set you up for freedom for the years to come. That is so, so important. So here's, um, babe, I have you come up and, and worship team. In a second, I'll call the worship team up because we're going to do something a little different here at the end. So, he, so here's, let me, let, me, let, me, um, let me drop a few more things before we lift it back up, okay? Let's, when we look at the kingdom of God around us, there are, there are some people who are living in homes that it was supposed to be sown and it was supposed to be seed. There are some people who the car that you're driving makes you feel good about it, but actually was supposed to be something that you planted. Because we, in America, we were too connected to the American dream. And actually, you know, guilt, you know there, there's, there's definitely guilty parties. There are parts of the kingdom of God in America that have preached this in a way that actually makes you think that success in the kingdom of God depends on the size of the house that you have and the car that you drive and the brand of clothing that you wear and the vacations you can take and And again, understand, none of those things are evil. But when they consume your heart, that's when it becomes a problem. You know, Scripture tells us that not money is the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. And that word love is not like, oh, I love my wife. No, that word love actually is lust. It's the lust of money is the root of all evil. And so when you have a lust for things that provide for you, You will produce a harvest, but it's not gonna be the one that you want. It's gonna be the one that leaves you empty. It's gonna be the one that you see from from people in pop culture culture and, and, and sports worlds everywhere who have all the money, all the things in the world, yet they still have these interviews where they say it's all meaningless, how they thought it would fix everything, but it's just made things worse. You know, meanwhile, we're like, I can think of a couple of million reasons why that would make life better, but for some reason it doesn't. It's because our heart's not where it's supposed to be. So does God want you to be wealthy? Well, that's between you and God because it's, it's not gonna be connected to how you live life. It's gonna be connected to what God's called you to do and what God's called you to be. There are people who God has called to be wealthy. There are people who God has called because of the mission field. God, it all comes together, y'all. Like you were created to live on mission. So stop thinking that the reality of where you are right now is you being held back. Like if you're not following God's principles and you're struggling, then yeah, that's something that needs to be addressed. But we gotta stop looking at the houses that we live in, the neighborhoods where we are, the job that I have, the people that I'm around. Man, I just wish it was a higher caliber of people and a bigger, a bigger house with a nicer neighborhood with less sketch around me. No, understand that where you are, God understands where you are. And he's called you where you are. There's a mission field surrounding you where you are. If you want to see an increase, be faithful where you are right now. Don't sit back and say, as soon as I get what this person has, as soon as I have that opportunity, well, then I'm really gonna be faithful with it. And you you won't. Because if you weren't faithful with little, you won't be faithful with much. This is why more than anybody in the world, Christians should know how to budget their finances. Unfortunately, I in many senses that actually ends up being, we're kind of the tail instead of the head. (laughs) Budgets are not meant to help poor people. Budgets are tools 
to help people steward what they have. It's wisdom. It's not a rehab, it's wisdom. You're like, one day I won't need a budget. No, if you have increased resources, you need a more complex budget. Here, here's, here's a couple, and this is very oversimplistic, but it paints a picture. The budget of a Jesus follower should include the following. The first thing you should ever do is you tithe because that's, your first, that's you saying thank you. Before you say thank you to Visa, MasterCard, your mortgage company, your power bill, before you say thank, thank you to Nordstrom Rack because the big sale's coming up. No, like first things first, God, thank you. This belongs, it all belongs to you, but this is what you say, bring back to me immediately. That should be in your budget, not at the end of the month. Man, I don't have anything left for tithe. Well, you would have if it had been your first fruit, which is what the tithe is. And I wanna explain that, There's, you can go back a couple of weeks. So you tithe first, saving for planned generosity comes second, which also is personal savings as well. Um, that, that's connected with it, personal saving, investing, preparing and planning for the future, which means retirement, whatever that means for, for you in the future. If you don't plan for it, you're gonna be tired the rest of your life. After that, then it comes the other budgeted items, like things that, are, that you absolutely need. Like you're gonna need somewhere to live. <laughs> you're gonna need to not just live there, but be able to turn on some electricity or you know, whatever it is like, that's where these things, and then after that it's extra spending. So they're, again, oversimplistic. And some of us are in a situation where we've got to course correct from decisions that we've made in the past, right? That now we're still dealing with the outcome of it. That's okay, because the beauty of the principles of God's word financially is that well, you can, believe it or not, you can give yourself out of the problems that you were in. Some people, that's prosperity gospel. No, it's not, it's just Bible. It's just Bible. I can't tell you how many times, like when me, so Karen and I have been married for, in January, be 21 years. Hey, and we look great. So I'm just, <laughs> three, okay, she looks great. Okay, let's just, let's just be real. And, and I can't remember like how many times early on, and this was just tithing. We, honestly, we had not at this point in our life together gotten that revelation of generosity yet. Other than like, oh, kind of be nice to somebody here and there. It was, we were just like trying to be faithful with, like, with the basics. And there were times where it was, our kids need food, but we need to tithe and there's not enough to do both. We need to, we need to pay rent, we need to tithe. There's not enough money for both. And we had multiple scenarios like that. And by the grace of God, we always chose to be obedient. And God always took care every single time because that's what the tithe does. The tithe will provide for you. What generosity does is it begins to provide an abundant resource for you so that that flow of generosity can be trusted to you, amen? So listen, as we prepare today, and worship team, go ahead and come on up and take your place. As we prepare to give today, um, in just a few minutes, um, but just, just remember a couple of basics. Everything belongs to God, everything. Tithing is obedience, not generosity. So our legacy giving today, our legacy pledging is not tithing, it's generosity. And our responsibility is simply to do this. And this is why, this is why there's, it's so beautiful because there's no pressure in the kingdom of God. Our responsibility is to pray, ask God how he wants us to give beyond our tithes, and then simply we walk it out. God is looking for people that he can entrust his kingdom resources to. So, so who can God trust with spiritual gifts? Who can God trust with friendships? Because what God wants us to steward is so much more than just finances, y'all. Listen, who can God trust with opportunity? Who can God trust with finances? Who can God trust with leadership? 
God is looking for people who are going to steward those type of Thank you again for joining us on the Combo Church Podcast. Special shout out to those who give so generously to Combo Church. It's because of you that this ministry is even possible. If you want to sow into the ministry, go to ComboChurch.com and simply click the Give button. It's that easy. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, follow, take a screenshot, and share it on your social stories and tag us at Combo Church. Thanks again for listening. And make sure you tune in to the next episode of the Combo Church Podcast.